but on the phone right now, well, the, statistically the greatest Melbourne player of all time. Yes, there's a category missing. Premierships is zero, but the most games at the Melbourne Football Club, most games as captain, and most goals. So probably on most jerseys. And most jerseys, no, well, definitely during his career. So that was 306 games, 631 goals for the Melbourne Football Club, and that's David Neitz. Good day, Nita. Uh, good day, Jack. Good day, was. It's good to uh, good to be on. Oh. Uh, and yeah, well, there's been look a lot of fantastic players in Melbourne's history. So uh, nice to be mentioned in the same breath as uh, some of those. But there's uh, yeah, Barassis and Flowers and Steinses and Lions and. I guess the Gorns and Olivers and Petrarchas of today as well. So um, lots of lots of great players at the Melbourne Footy Club. Well, so it's not a bad uh, statistical thing for a centre half back. I would have thought. <laughs> I know. I know. Centre half back to have the most goals. <laughs> I, uh, that's, I'm, I'm happy with that call. <laughs> <laughs> now, tell. We just want to touch on that. I mean, was is a we've, we've spoken off air. Was is a Norse fan and. Mm-hmm. I mean, we, we do go back to that, that, that quote of Wayne Carey where he rated you as his number one um, sort of opponent. Toughest opponent. Well, toughest opponent. I mean, where does that rank in everything? Yeah, yeah. Well, it was in the top couple, I think. I think uh, Glenn Jakovic was rolling around at the same time uh, as well. But, um, but, yeah, look, it's always good to get that, that kind of accolade. And I guess it was an interesting time, uh, I suppose. I was still relatively young in my career at that point and... Um, you had, uh, I think, for the demons' perspective, you had uh, Gary Lyon at full forward, Alan Jakovic maybe still floating around, mm. uh, David Swartz was at centre half forward, and then myself at centre half back. Um, so we sort of had a pretty good spine going at that at that point in time. But of course, you know, Gary Lyon he had some uh, back injuries that sort of struck him down. David Swartz obviously had the three knee reconstructions. And then I find myself going back and forth, um, you know, depending on how, how the team's going, you know, uh, swingman-type role. So, um, you know, when I look back, it's probably in terms of, you know, winning premierships and doing all the things that we want to do as a team, it's much, much better if we've got Lyon and Swartz up forward and probably me instead of half back. But, uh, you know, things don't always pan out how you want. And... Um, but, um, but, yeah, to, to be able to go forward, play both roles and do well in both positions was um, uh, was a good thing uh, from a personal point of view, I suppose. And from a sort of a looking back point of view, or even at the time when you're playing on someone like, say, Wayne Carey, are you, is, is there time to sort of take that in and, and understand that even though you're a great you're one of the greats as well is there a time where, when did that come for you when you took that in and thought hang on I just I beat the duck and and he said this yeah no look I um I had a couple of really good good games against against Wayne which was which was fantastic and great to get um uh, you know he that, that that sort of commentary from from him I suppose um well, there's a couple of there's a, probably a couple of ones you know I remember I remember playing on him and whilst I've done well I mean you recognise how good of a player that he that he was I mean well I can't remember what year it was but it, but I was playing it at a half forward and um, we were playing against them and within about the first fifteen or twenty minutes of the first quarter Wayne's kicked four <laughs> and uh, all all of a sudden the uh, the little man in yellow, the runner, comes heading towards my direction <laughs> and I'm like, Jerry, I might head the other direction of the runner, you know, I might head towards the boundary line or something and get away from him because 
I know the, the message that's coming out. How about you just go and play on Wayne? Once <laughs> he's got his tail up, he's kicked four in 20 minutes. So, um, And that game, I, I, I always say that I think that I played pretty well. I did as, probably almost as much as you can do. Um, I, I remember that vividly there was one occasion where we're sort of up at sort of around the uh, half-forward flank and the ball came in his direction. I was sort of all over him, spoiled the ball, you know, he bounced back up, ran towards the goal square. I'm sort of running behind him. And then the ball sort of coming in our direction. I'm virtually tackling him. Uh, he just puts out the one juke, grabs the one-hander on the way down, goes back and kicks a goal. Um, he, he ended up... I thought that I played well, as I said. He ended up kicking 11 that day. <laughs> and I thought there wasn't that much else I could do. So uh, he was a great player. But to play... look. To play well against him was um, was great, but um, but you know sometimes the great players like Wayne can get a hold of uh, hold of you, and uh, he did on that occasion. I just think too, that even these days, and we we're talking off air about the young players that are coming through, and it doesn't matter what side, you wonder whether some of the older players on the opposition teams can take a moment just to go, hang on, I'm playing on something special here. Like if someone's playing on Dacos that's, you know, and they've been in the year, 10 years in the system, they're like, hang on, I've just played on Nick Dacos. He is pretty special. Is, do you think there's any of that that goes on at that level? Uh, look, I, I think there is. I think you certainly know, you know the opposition that you're coming up against. You know what their weapons are. Um, uh, and, I, and I think you can appreciate that. You know, when you're going when you're going into the contest, um, uh, certainly. Well, I had the belief that it didn't matter who I was playing on, I, I could beat them. Um, and that's sort of, well, I guess, the attitude you've got to have going into that into the heat of the battle. Um, but you, yeah, you can appreciate. You know, the players that you're going to come up against. You know, uh, even back in the day, I remember as a young kid, Stewie Lowe was one of my. I used to breakfast in Kilda as a young kid growing up, and next thing you're playing against Stewie Lowe, so mm. you, you recognise that um, that sort of challenge. Um, um, uh, I guess a few years in, um, and Maddie Scal was. Uh, you see, was sort of coming through a little bit younger than maybe you sort of see him coming through towards the mid to the latter end of my career and you say, gee, he's a bloody good player coming through as well. So you, you do recognise those players when you, when they come along. Yep. Well, well, Melbourne are up against uh, a few of them on Monday, so uh, hopefully we can uh, we can <clears throat> uh, bounce them at least or not be in awe of Nick Dacos or any of the other Collingwood players. But uh, tell us tell us about uh, the, the, the day which is centred around Neil Danaher. He was... He was your coach for you know for a long time. Uh, Neats uh, was was um, what? What are your favourite memories of him? Or you know, have you got any other stories that um, that, that we've got from him coaching? Because he was a terrific coach. Yeah, look, he, he, look, he was. I, I guess um, when he first came in, he was. Um, look, what was I? He's very. It was. He had a, he had a clear vision of how he wanted us to play the game. That. Let's put it that way, but, but and he was very uh, firm in how he wanted us to play the game. But what he initially did, I suppose, was uh, he had the vision. But we we sort of came in '97. We came bottom of the ladder, and then you know the next year under Neil, we we made a prelim final um, and got close to getting getting through to the to, you know, to the big dance. But but um, 
But he, in that pre-season, had a very clear vision. He took us to school. He sort of educated us exactly on how he wanted to play, how he saw the game. And it was a huge education um, for us all. Even guys like Gary Lyon and Jim Steins and Todd Viney, who'd been playing you know, for a long time, got a lot out of um, of his tutelage. So, but he certainly, so he certainly had a clear vision of how he wanted to play, really strategic in how he went about things. Um, but how, I would say that he was um, in a modern era where empathy is all the key rage. Neil didn't show a lot of that in his early <laughs> We've been getting that. As a coach. Um, and in fact, I remember, I do remember there was on one occasion, um, it was all about actually yeah, the forwards putting defensive pressure on, you know. Uh, forwards rolling up the ground, um, creating a bit of a squeeze on the ground and making it harder uh, you know, or easier for our defenders to roll back, clog up some space and, and whatnot. And he wanted the forwards to roll up the ground to allow it to happen. And um, on this one particular day, um, it was, I got, Nita, push these forwards, these bloody lazy forwards, push them up the ground. You've got to, you know, you've got to help us out in defence and all this kind of stuff. And I said, mate, that's fine, but I actually wasn't playing that day. <laughs> <laughs> I, was, I was in the coach's box next to him. I wasn't even in, on the ground. And I'm still copying a spray. <laughs> it would have been Russell Robertson's fault. <laughs> Very clear vision and a uh, particular way that he wanted things done. <laughs> Fantastic. Uh, what, what was his main strength as a coach? I mean, was it was it statistic? Um, was it was it analytical or was it game day or what, what was his sort of main strength as a, as a footy coach? I, I look. I think he was um, he was very strategic in the way he went yeah. about things. He was um, he was very good at understanding how. The opposition wanted to play, and how we could break that down, um, and and how we could um, sort of best combat what we were coming up against each week. So we put a lot of time and energy into that, um, and I think. And while I've sort of said, you know, he's, he, he had a quite a quite a strong, forceful way of how we wanted the game to be played. What you did know uh, about Neil is everyone knew exactly where they stood. Everyone there was, you know, there was no confusion. Everyone, everyone was uh, very clear on their role, their responsibility, um, and we also knew that Neil would have have your back as well. You know, if there's a role or, or there's something that he had in place for you, and if you can get out there and perform the role, he's going to have your back every day of the week. So um, we certainly respected that. Uh, we had some up and down times throughout the career, our our, our um, journey, I suppose. But his his resilience and his passion for the game really shone through, and um, and you wanted to and you wanted to play for that as well. And what about these days, mate? What are you up to? Um, Brewmanity. I want to get to that. Yeah, what are you up to? Yeah, yes, Brewmanity. So, uh, yeah, a little beer company. So we've had mm-hmm. that change for the last few years, which um, uh, obviously interested in beer and craft beer in particular and a mate and I were sort of talking about doing something in that space a few years back uh, and then when Neil um, you know obviously announced that he had motor neurone disease and then said he wanted to start doing some fundraising activity um, my mate and I uh, came together and said well let's put our, put our ideas into practice but do it as like a charity if you like to try and raise funds for Neil um, so we started for humanity, we raised about fifty thousand dollars during this campaign, which is sort of just before the you know the big freeze and all that sort of stuff happened for the first time. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and then we've sort of kept it going. So part of each beer, a little bit goes into um, a fundraising fund, if you like. And then we hold events to amplify that as much as we possibly can. So we've um, yeah, we've got our, our Brumanity beers that are out there. They're in Coles and um, First Choice liquor stores, Dan Murphy's and all that sort of thing. Um, and we've raised about oh, 550000 so far, which has been a, a, a really good thing. And what's your what's your favourite what's your favourite drop? Have you got a chocolate stout for me? What, what, what's your favourite? Uh, no, we haven't got a chocolate stout. For me. We did an oyster stout once, uh-huh. uh, which we which which sounds interesting, but it's really sort of salt and chocolate uh, flavoured in a in a dark beer. Yep. Uh, but we've got our slide out beer out at the moment, which is a specifically made. I was I was able to luckily go down the slide in the big freeze last year, which was amazing experience. So we made a beer that was sort of in honour of that. Uh, and we're at, at it, uh, first choice and, and um, first choice uh, liquor market and liquor land stores. Basically, you buy a four pack of those, and five bucks goes towards the fight against MND. So we're doing that at the moment. And the drop itself is probably the favourite uh, that we've made so far. We go. What, what advice? Stop on the way home. Yes, yes. Yourself, I'm surprised you didn't bring something in. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Next but, uh, tell us uh, what's it like going down the slide, mate. Uh, uh, there's going to be twelve or twelve new people going down it uh, this time. Um, what's the what's the experience? Yeah, just brace yourself. It's cold, <laughs> like I, I, I said the back down to her last year. I thought, oh. I thought you guys might have just handed up a little bit. There might have been a few plastic ice blocks or something floating around in there, but no. It's, uh, it certainly takes the breath away um, when, when, you, when you're there. But, but look, the, the day itself is amazing. To see all those beanies, a sea of blue beanies and the yeah. walk to the G, both from Collingwood and from the Melbourne side, all converging into the MCG, the big cauldron. Uh, I think it's a sellout. There's going to be 90-plus thousand at the MCG, sort of first and third on the ladder. Uh, it'll be an amazing day from a footy perspective, but I think what Neil's been able to do is just not just Collingwood and Melbourne, but uh, mm. supporters of all the footy tribes. Um, he's brought everyone together um, to to support and raise awareness and funds for you know a disease that just had no no funding. No one really knew much about it. Anyone who was diagnosed with it, there was no hope. There was no. Uh, clinical trials, there was nothing going on in the space. Um, and to think what Neil and what the Foundation and before Neil, Dr. Ian Davis and a whole range of people have done to shine a light on M&D has been fantastic. And I know that uh, everyone at Fight M&D worked so hard to try and find a cure um, and also support and care for people that are uh, suffering from M&D at the moment. So it's um, it's amazing what, what Neil's been able to do and the Foundation's been able to do um, and whilst, you know, the celebrities roll, fall, you know, sliding into the bucket of ice, which is a lot of fun, uh, there's a big, mm. uh, a real deep story of, um, of hope and care and support for those people that are, um, and families that are suffering from the disease. Uh, well said. Very well said. Very yes. well said, Anita. Um, now, just, just lastly, um, we, we, we remember the classic Melbourne Collingwood games. Obviously, you go back to the, the 50s and 60s that they were all in grand finals and all that sort of stuff. But uh, in, in, in years since then, um, we, we, the, the main one um, has been Jeff Farmer and his, his day out when he kicked nine in the second half. Um, if you could recall that day for us and, and uh, what was it like playing it with uh, the Wiz? Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, I think that um, at half time, 
Neil in his feisty way gave gave uh, Jeff. I think he dragged him just before half time, and young Betty Beans came on, and um, so Neil's taken Jeff's magnet, I think, off the board, thrown it um, in, in the change room, and said, "Right," and it said to Chris Bagan, who was um, assistant coach at the time, said, "Don't worry about that phase. We won't be needing that magnet again." <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, so he was never to come back on the ground, and then, unfortunately, young Betty Beans he broke his arm um, about five minutes into the third quarter. Uh, and Neil's gone over to Fags said, "Fags, you might have to go into the rooms and get that magnet, mate." <laughs> um, and you know, thank God he did because gee, the Wizards kicked nine and a half, wow. and it was every time the ball went near him, it was just electrifying. You know, it was it was it could do no wrong. In that second half, and it was um, uh, was certainly something to remember. That's for sure. Did, did I do I understand? Do I do I remember correctly that you used to live with the Wiz? Yeah. Yep. Yes. Yeah, I'm correct. sorry for that's a bit weird, but um, but I do remember something about um, a broken roof or something. Broken roof. Well, you're apparently doing. I don't know. There was a doco that was out. I remember. You know, I remember these weird things, Nita. Uh, as a Melbourne, Jack's a big fan, man. He's um, a big fan. <laughs> That apparently you're doing speckies in your house, and he cracked the roof. Well, he didn't. Well, geez, I, I, well, he didn't tell me about that one. I, I, I'm not sure about that. I should have upped his rent, though. <laughs> okay, well, we'll leave it there. Well, that, no, well, that's fair. Well, I'm not. That's probably wrong then. Um, but uh, look, it's going it's to be a huge day, Nita. Um, how much do we do we win by? <laughs> I think it's going to be a really close game, you know. Uh, obviously, Jordan Degoe's out, so uh, that, that's going to help the Demons' cause. But between the Pies have been, uh, they've been uh, just a step ahead of everyone so far this season. But, um, you know, I think Clary Oliver coming back in, um, I think mm-hmm. the way that we defend will actually hopefully hold us in good stead against the Pies. But, yeah, it's going to be a close one, that's for sure. And, and I hope it is. You know, Grundy coming back for his first game against the Pies will be a huge talking point as well. So, yeah, looking forward to it. And do we do we think this Melbourne group can win another premiership? I think I think we can absolutely. Yeah, there's no no, no reason why we couldn't. We're talented enough, and I think that um, yeah, that's definitely on the cards. No, I asked Riggers this last week as well. Uh, would you be disappointed if they didn't win another one with this group? Oh, I think they would be. I think they would. They would be. I mean. I'm uh, I'm wrapped so I've had a premiership and break that that drought, but I think um, with the team that they've got, I think that they'd all look back and say, yeah, there's an opportunity here. They're bloody hard to win though. Mm. You take that, you'll take the one. But uh, I think I think with the group that they've got, it's within them to get uh, to get another one. That's for sure. Yes, yes. And what, what was your premiership party like on that uh, that no, brilliant Saturday night over in Perth? What did you go over to the game or were you in lockdown with us? Oh, no, I didn't go to the game. No, I was um, I was in Melbourne, and I was sort of you know you all had to be in the bubble at that stage. So I was yes. in I was in the bubble with a with a with a mate, and he had his ten uh, year old boy. Actually, um, it was the perfect days to be watching footy. Um, and every time a demon player kicked a goal, he was clap, clapping out um, <laughs> the number on their back. So. You know, it was uh, he was exciting. You know, mm-hmm. in that bang 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 scenario, we had Bailey Fritch. It was thirty one, one two three four thirty one. And then Bailey again three seconds later, one two three thirty one. And then, poor, then the poor kid had Ben Brown kick the next one. <laughs> he, he couldn't count up to fifty. It was too tight, too excited, and yeah. he was high fiving everyone. But 
Oh, it was it was just pure joy. Yep. It was absolute yeah. joy. So um, uh, still great memories. But yeah, it would be nice to actually be at the MCG and be there in person to, to watch uh, watch us hold the cup aloft again. Oh, well, oh, Tony, uh, well, Tony, you know what? Uh, three and a half months away from that happening, uh, Nita. Hey, uh, we'll leave it there, buddy. Really appreciate you giving us plenty of your time. Uh, thank you, man. Brew Matty is uh, fantastic. So thank you so much for uh, for, for that. And um, everything you're, you're doing with uh, in, in that space, but yeah, appreciate you giving us some of your time. No worries, guys. Thank you so much. Thanks, Good man. David Neitz, uh, superstar, full forward from the Melbourne Football Club, 306 games, 631 goals. Um, hopefully, we'll get him on again because there's oh, plenty more to go. Ripper player. <laughs>